Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and we are so delighted today to come to you again on this now Tuesday, the 23rd of June of 2020. Um, just freshly out of the, the news, uh, we saw that there was an earthquake that took place. I believe it was, uh, was it this morning or yesterday, right? Brother Marty? This morning. Uh, the earthquake this morning in Mexico, in the southern part of Mexico and parts of Central America, Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala. And, uh, this is just fresh out of the news. So many things are happening even as we speak. And, but this is where the Lord has us. And, and for this, we give God thanks that we can come together and, and analyze these things and, and allow the word of God to speak to us. And so we're so grateful that you could join us today, wherever you find yourself and whatever part of the world you find yourself. We're so glad that you're joining in. We believe the Holy Spirit is bringing you to connect in this hour and let us see what God is happening. So many things have, have been happening, and I just wanted to relate a, a little uh, a little uh, testimony, uh, just a fresh one that I heard, and I think it will cause you, that I pray that it will bless you. But just yesterday, as we were speaking about a midnight hour, we did get a message uh, from a young lady who, who was so stirred by what she heard that she said uh, she felt led that, to wake up and begin to pray at midnight. And, and, and her short words were, I don't see another way but to pray for my family and this world at midnight. And I say this because there is a stirring of the Spirit of God. And those that are searching and those that are looking, are those that are that are, have their ears in tune, there is a people, a remnant that are being stirred who are understanding, and, and we thank God that these podcasts is causing something in the people to search, to look, to, to be drawn to God, to understand, to awaken in this hour. And, and so many other things that are, that are taking place, and I know people are, we know that people are being stirred in this hour. So this is such a critical hour, but we thank God that we still have the liberty put out these podcasts and warn the people in this hour. What a pleasure, as always, it is to be here with the panel, with Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, as the Lord allows us to study the Word of God together. But without further ado, I'm excited. God is showing us. We're gleaming a lot from what uh, this parable of the Ten Virgins. So I'll leave it up to you, Brother Marty, to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Praise the Lord. Uh, very exciting times we're living in as we continue our study. This is part five of the 10 virgins uh, who go forth to meet the bridegroom. And we encourage you who are just joining us to go back and listen to all the different parts that uh, we've been discussing. We started with verse one and we were almost done with verse six. But I think we're going to see some very uh, interesting things as we continue to look and to glean what it is we believe the Lord is uh, is pointing out to us. And so with that in mind, Brother Jeremy, could you read us uh, verse 6 through 9 as we get into uh, to today's study on the ten virgins? Yes. It says, <clears throat> And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, 
go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And verse 10 says, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. They that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. We thank God for his word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we we left off yesterday uh, at verse six, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna look at a few more things. There's some things that we need to to glean yet from them. And as we talked about in verse six, uh, the Lord draws our attention to to the uh, to the time of of a particular cry, and he and he said it was the midnight cry. And as we talked about yesterday, the Lord is speaking um, and using language that would cause the hearer of his time and and those who are discerning in our time, to recognize that what he's referring to when he says midnight is is the Passover, the original Passover. Remember, the Lord Jesus was crucified on Calvary during the Passover season. He was and is the Passover lamb fulfilled. That's what John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And so when he's giving the answers to the three questions, and for those of you just join us again, there were three questions that were given to the Lord in Matthew chapter 24 by his disciples. One was, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming? Number two. And number three, what shall be the sign of the end of the world or the end of the age? And so when we get to chapter 25, as we've been exploring the 10 virgins, what we're actually seeing here then is the Lord's continued response to the final question, the end of the age or the end of the world, just prior to his second coming. And so we take it uh, in chapter 25 and the story that he begins to unfold before us of the 10 virgins. And, and we begin to see, as we have over the last several days, some incredible things that he was actually drawing our attention to. Knowing that he gave this story during the Passover season, the week that he was crucified on Calvary and then rose from the dead on the third day, it alerts us to, to significant ways in which he's describing what the conditions will be at the end of the world. And like we talked about before, many theologians and scholars over the last 2,000 years in commenting on this story, when they talk about uh, the bride going forth and then the slumbering and the sleeping of the bride and then the midnight cry, they they imply that it's speaking of the overall last 2,000 years of human history uh, prior to the coming of the Lord. And while you could teach it that way, if if you want to take it in context and how the Lord is answering it, uh, then we have to look at it from a different perspective. It does no violence to the scripture to point it out that way, because the truth of it is true. But we have to look at it in the right way, and that is that he is referring specifically to the time just before he returns for his bride. And so we have to apply it that way. And in so doing, we then begin to see some pretty amazing things. So, again, we encourage you to go back to the first uh four parts if you want to fill in the blanks there's a lot of great information there the holy spirit has given us but again we're going to pick it up again with with verse six and see how far we get today again the lord draws our attention and says that a cry is made and we want to zone in just for a few moments on that phrase at midnight a cry was made because the, uh, we're going to look at a cry was made 
what we're looking at is the type of descriptive language that the Lord is using there. And like we pointed out before, the word cry, uh, it, it means to have a loud, piercing call. You know, someone standing up and, and shattering the silence of, of, the, of the dark night with this loud call. And the fact that he says a cry was made uh, is very descriptive because the word made, it has the meaning of something that comes into existence, something that has not been in existence up until this point when the cry is made. In other words, the loud call and what they're about to hear is something that shatters the silence and comes into existence, or a better way to say it, comes onto the platform or the stage of the end of time. And it begins to be the forceful declaration. And it is a declaration of the coming of the Lord. And and one of the things that we looked at, what we believe the Lord is also implying, is that the messages before this cry caused a deep sleep. Can you read verse 5, Brother Jeremy, of chapter 25? Yes. It says, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So, and then a cry is made, right? Then a cry is made at midnight. That's that's what he goes on to say. At midnight, a cry was made, and that's what we're focusing in on. But what Brother Jeremy just read there, verse 5, again, is showing us, the Lord is describing to us this this slumbering and then a giving way into a deep sleep. And so, when he goes into verse six and begins to draw our attention to a piercing loud cry, and he uses the word cry was made, it, it, it again, it implies that something which hasn't been being spoken or declared suddenly comes into existence, suddenly takes the stage, suddenly it pierces the dark night, and, and it, it wakes these ten virgins up. But before we begin to examine the waking of the ten virgins, let us understand what, what this seems to be implying. Because what the Lord is revealing here, we believe, and we believe we've entered into that stage now. And, and again, go back and look at the, or listen to the messages for a greater and fuller understanding of what we're talking about. But think about what that implies. Because when he talks like Brother Jeremy just read in verse 5 of a, of a slumbering and then giving way to, an, to a deep sleep, basically is what that is. It, 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 it implies that up until the midnight hour when a cry is made, that the bridegroom is coming, that there are no relevant messages or anointed declarations, to put it another way, that had the power to awaken a church that's asleep. And he wants to emphasize that to us by distinguishing this message at midnight. Because he wants us to understand that one of the signals and one of the keys, one of the signposts, if you will, for that final generation is it will be a generation that witnesses a church that falls asleep, a church that is in a deep sleep. And, and that implies that, you know, to, to take it metaphorically, that, that they're not hearing anything that would wake them up, that it literally has no effect on them. Whatever's being declared, whatever's being discussed, whatever's being preached is kind of what the Lord is trying to say here to us. It has no force, no anointing, and nothing to rouse the church from its sleep. And really, 
we've been applying this to our time because I believe that's what we have seen transpire over the last 30 years and more. Really, it began in the late 50s and then has carried on ever since into the 21st century up until our time. Never have we witnessed a greater time of slumber and sleep as we see it even now in the current time in which right. we're living, right? And and uh, Brother Fernando, we were, you were sharing something that, that was on your heart just before we started recording that, that kind of, you know, goes along with what we're saying right now. Share what you were sharing with us, what you're seeing, what you're noticing about it. Yeah, it, I mean, it's, I would say it's something that's obvious, but it's it's really not to, you know, the natural eye. It, it's it's it, it, I marvel at at the church, and the preachers in the church, uh, and and their inability to to see things that are transpiring events, right? That are transpiring in our society and our nation around the world, and and find biblical bearing on in it. You know, it's almost like they, they don't see that it is prophecy being fulfilled, but instead, uh, as we were talking before the podcast, it's, it's, they see it as an intrusion into their own little personal kingdom, their own little <laughs> personal lives, you know, like their rights are being uh, uh, attacked, you know, and and, right. and everybody everybody's offended. And, you know, and I'm talking about Christians here. I'm not talking about the world. You right, know, right. And, and the Christians think that Christians think that we can go to the voting ballot and change things, and you know our lives will continue the same. And, and it's like, wait a minute, do you, do you do you not have eyes to see that these are prophetic events unfolding before our very own eyes? But it's almost like they can't see that, or they don't want to see that. Yeah, right? uh, I don't think they want to see that because you know we we enjoy the the things that we have in this. I'm speaking about this nation now that we have in this nation. You know, I yeah. heard a preacher the other day on Christian television said we have enough Christians in this country to 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 make sure and ensure that Republicans uh, uh, continue to hold the power in Washington and we can vote. Wow! And I was like. Like what? <laughs> you know, and it's like seriously, that's that's what you're making of these times. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So they're asleep, Edible. right? Completely. And, 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 and I think that's exactly uh, why I wanted you to share that is because it adds weight to what we're saying here. It gives it gives even a more fuller, um, you know, reflection on what we're talking about here. Because again, this parable is about just before he comes. And in it, as we go through it, we're going to begin to see hidden within it are our implications of of a fuller revelation that occurs in the book of Revelation. And the two are tied together, and we'll see that in a second. But but again, we want to draw our attention to the fact that up until this cry is made, there is a, an absolute sleep that has overcome the church. And and, right. and that tells us right there that that what has necessitated uh, a cry is is something that would shatter that sleep that would come into mm -hmm. a a darkness and and arise right and and literally wake these people up now there's several things that we need to focus here and we're going to take our time again because these verses that Jesus shared are so full of of multiple 
meanings and many things that can be gleaned uh, if we'll take the time and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal them to us. Now, let's just put a pause on the sleeping church for a second here. Because I want to zone in on the cry or the one who's crying. Because as you pointed out before, Brother Fernando, not everybody was asleep. There is somebody awake. And the person that's awake or the persons, he really represents a ministry that that reflects, as we've talked about at length before, uh, what the Bible predicts will come just prior to the coming of the Lord. And that is that the spirit of Elijah will once again rise, like it did in the beginning when Jesus came the first time. That spirit of Elijah came to rest on John the Baptist. His message was the same as the crier here at midnight. Behold, the Lord is coming, right? Repent, for yeah. the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So when we when we think of a church that's asleep, and then at midnight suddenly the the the, the slumber, the darkness, <clears throat> the piercing voice enters and begins to cry out. It gives us an insight, <clears throat> and, and those of you preachers out there, or even just the regular saints who feel called to alert their family members and loved ones, you know, it's this same spirit that's beginning to stir on you. It's as if this person who breaks forth in the midnight hour and begins to cry out has reached the point in their own life where they can do nothing but cry out. And and they feel such an overwhelming move and stir. It wasn't a, a tiny whisper. It wasn't, you know, just a just a, a casual voice here we're talking about. We're talking about an overcoming of an individual or individuals which represent a ministry, the true ministry in this hour, where they are compelled to cry out. And in that compulsion to cry out at the midnight hour, also in it, is 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 the resonance uh, of the urgency because of the force by which the cry is made. It it is such a powerful declaration that the Lord uses those phrases in there when we dig into the root words of it literally coming into existence, implying that it has not existed before or at least for a long time. And like we said, it is it is the opposite of the message that seems to have put the church to sleep, like Pastor Fernando was describing, you know, of our current times. So this one comes on the scene. He's overcome and he's driven because he knows something. And this is another thing, preacher or or saint of God out there, you cannot know anything without the spirit. And we've been talking about oil. So this, This ministry has the anointing, has the oil that gives light to its understanding. It has not fallen asleep, but it is fully awake. And it is it is illuminated with an overwhelming sense. Now now check this out as well, because sometimes God will reveal things to his servants that aren't necessarily as in this case that Jesus is describing on the public stage. In other words, the saints of God, the prophets of God, the, the servants of God, they they almost come on the scene with, with, with a message that is so out of the mainstream, yet it's right on, and it's being driven and revealed to them by the Holy Spirit concerning the return of the Lord. And so, <laughs> right, so when they show up, um, it's almost as if they're ahead of their time, 
right? But in this case, yes, it's a little ahead because the Lord hasn't arrived yet. But but by the time we get done with this story, what we see is that when the message comes, there's very little time and very little time to yes. do anything, right? Yes. Uh, any yes. thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Brother Marty, I'm reminded of uh, the, the very person you're speaking about, the way Elijah's ministry started in First Kings 17. The Bible doesn't give no background on him, really. It just right. said Elijah the Tishbite shows up to the king and tells him and pronounces judgment. There shall be no rain. Just like that. Right. A cry right. out of nowhere comes and, mm. and declares judgment and gives him a, you know, not much time. And it happens just like he said. That, that's just an example that I was thinking about. You made me think about that as you were speaking, how Elijah right. started his ministry. No fanfare, no nothing, just straight word of judgment. You know, Amen. because it seemed like and, everything was happening with Ahab, right? And here comes the word of the Lord. There was a yeah. silence, and then all of a sudden he comes through. Okay, that's right. That's really good. And that's exactly right. So what what then begins to happen, if we take our time and look at this, is that what Jesus reveals about this, this declaration is it is a threefold message. It comes in three distinct parts as the Lord broke it down. It begins with the word, behold, that's the first message. The second message is what they're to behold. The bridegroom is coming. And the third message is, go you out and meet him. So it has to be looked at in that way so that we understand how it's going to unfold. It's already beginning to unfold. But the first thing he says again is, behold. So the first thing that comes on, and that's why, Brother Fernando, what you were sharing was so powerful to me, because that is what, what, what you're seeing and really what the Lord is speaking to your heart when you think about and reflect upon the modern church in America, which is asleep, completely asleep. This servant, right. the very first thing he does is make this loud cry, behold. And the word behold means open your eyes. Look and discern something, implying, again, that the church is so asleep that it isn't seeing correctly and has absolutely no discernment as to its its midnight condition, right, and the fact that Jesus is coming. So the first thing the servant does is, is, is cry out, behold. In other words, you're not seeing, you're not discerning, you're not awake. Understand the one who's crying out, he's imploring them to see. He's, he's, he's compelling them to discern something. The first thing he, he wants to alert them to the fact is they're not looking, they're not discerning. So this is implying that in their sleep state, many things have, have changed while they've been asleep. Lots of things have changed, and, and they're not being understood and they're not being seen or discerned because in reality they're spiritually asleep. They're absolutely asleep. Right. right? And 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 it's as if the enemy has flooded in, kind of like I don't know if you guys are familiar, I know you guys are, but I'm talking out to the audience. Those of you that are familiar with the story of of the fall of Babylon, you had Belshazzar the king having this big party in Babylon. Uh, just partying up a storm, 
and he has no idea that while they've been on this extended party and, and drunken craziness, uh, and, and they are completely unaware of the fact that the Medo-Persian army has already infiltrated the city and has come through the underground water water uh, passageways that fed the city with water, and they're sneaking up onto the palace, and they're about to be destroyed. And they have absolutely no idea that while they have been asleep, so to speak, and not watching, the enemy has crept in unaware and is and is now surrounding them. And that's when that finger comes out on the wall and begins to write, Mini Mini Tarko Eupharsin. You can read that in, in, uh, in Daniel chapter 5. And Daniel's called. And he's the one that, that pronounces judgment, telling the, the kingdom of Babylon and its king back then, you've been weighed in the balance, you've been found wanting, right? And judgment is at your door. It has that same feeling here. This, this one who rises up and begins to cry out, the first thing he tells them is that things have changed, things have, have overcome, it's the midnight hour, and you're not seeing it, you're not discerning it. So the first thing he cries out is, behold, discern, wake up, look, see. That's what he's telling you. And that's, that's what we need to be looking for. You want to know the true man of God, woman of God, church of God, saint of God, whatever. You know, what you're going to hear and how you're going to distinguish right now is it's a message that wakes you up. It startles you and it's confrontive. It, it, it speaks to you in a confrontational way and says, you're in danger. You have no idea what's going on. You're not seeing and you're not discerning. That's the first thing Jesus says will begin to be expounded by this one who cries. The second thing is what? The bridegroom is coming, right? That's the second component to the message. Jesus is coming. So how we interpret this and how we should look at this and how we need to understand this is not only does the voice have to wake them up and tell them they're blind and they're not discerning their time, but he also has the the capacity uh, to tell them what everything they are now looking at actually means. <laughs> right. right. Right? The bridegroom is yeah. coming. You know, when when you look out on the landscape, Brother Fernando, you were just telling us what you see is a church that says what we see is they're taking away our rights. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> wow. Or what we right? Or what we see is is we got enough political power to elect Republicans from now until whenever. That's what we see. Ah, uh, yeah. he says. He says, "Wake up, man. That's not you're not." Brother. You're, Go ahead, brother. <laughs> you know, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, uh, our president will be in Phoenix, and a big mega church in Phoenix that's hosting it has put a new uh, air system there, a purification air system that's going to eliminate ninety nine percent of the uh, <laughs> of the coronavirus, so that people <laughs> can go there to the rally. Think about it. that's what the church is investing in. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, you know, just to say, you know, we're, how how ridiculous we have become, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe open it up to give a give a rally and preach the coming of the Lord, you know. But no, <laughs> it's more yeah. important to set it up for the rally. You know, this is where we're at. 
you know i yeah. just wanted to bring that out because <laughs> no that's that, that's good and and uh but again you know the message is first to wake them up and tell them they're not seeing correctly you need to discern something you're not seeing but he also has the power to reveal to them what it is they're not seeing and right. and and that is what we're going to see he has to tell them and that's what brother right. fernando was sharing man because even though they're awake now because it says they all woke up right i mean but they're not seeing correctly they're not discerning the times mm. Mm. and and he has to tell them with the second part of his message what it really means that they're seeing it's not about all this other stuff that you think it's about the fact that the eminent return of the Lord is at hand, and you need to respond appropriately, and you need to respond quickly while you have this tiny bit of space before he comes. So he reveals, he, the voice crying in the wilderness, so to speak, he has to tell them what everything they are seeing actually means. It doesn't mean all this other stuff like you're talking about, Brother Jeremy. It doesn't mean all that. That, that, you know, that this is all about a political change in America. This is about, you know, losing my rights, like you were saying, Brother Fernando, or, or a host of other madness that they're attaching themselves to. What it means, Jesus says, and what his true servants are going to proclaim to that undiscerning asleep church is Jesus is coming. And this yes. is the true right. preacher. This This is the true servant of the Lord, right? He brings forth meat right. in due season, right? He's able to produce. Go ahead, brother. No, it, it, again, what was taking place in Jesus' day? You know, when 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 John the Baptist came forth to um, all of Israel and began to prophesy the coming of the Lord. Um, well, we, we see we see that the religious leadership of Israel uh, had made political alliances with Rome for political expediency, right? Yeah. But yeah. deep inside, deep inside, they wanted to create their own Davidic kingdom or bring forth the Davidic kingdom, right? So, so we see the same thing taking place with the church. They yeah. see that their freedoms are under attack and, and they're, they're hinging their wagons with political leaders for what? so that they can protect their own kingdoms and bring forth their own, you know, uh, uh, kingdoms, so to speak, their kingdom now theology that, that they right. really uh, right. preach and minister. So we're seeing the very same thing. And this, is, this, this has completely distorted what true Christianity is. Yes. We, we, right. we now say that Christianity is, is voting right. How? Right. When? When, when did that become Christianity? Right. Or, or now even, or now, you know, they're being forced to vote left. When? Yeah. When, when, right. when did that become Christianity to choose a political side or, or to, 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 you know, uh, agree with the latest hot topic of the day? Think mm -hmm. about this. Jesus was put in positions. And he was put in, posi in positions with questions by the leadership, the religious leadership. They yeah. asked him questions concerning paying tithes to Caesar, or not tithes, but taxes to Caesar, yeah. right? And they were, they were trying to catch him in a trap. That's, that's where the church is falling right there. We're being caught up in, in the latest hot topic of the day. And, and whether they realize it or not, they're being set up. 
set up, yep. right? Either and the being, church is falling. Yeah, the church is being is being is falling asleep because of this, and 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 we're being we're being forced to choose a certain position and so forth and so on. What did Jesus say? Give them to Caesar what's the Caesar. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not here for that kind of kingdom. Right. Give them to God what's of God. I'm, I'm here promoting another kingdom, a spiritual yeah. kingdom that you cannot see. You're blind. You can't see it. You are more focused on the kingdom of Caesar, which is corrupt, and it's of the devil. I'm not yeah. here to speak against any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm here to that's promote inc- the kingdom of my father. Amen. That that that's Praise perfect, God. man. I can't say it any Praise better God. than that, right? Man? And and that's yeah. that's in that message, you know, that the bridegroom is coming. Everything you just said there, I couldn't say it any better than that. But that's wrapped up in that. It, there's so much that he's saying. Correct. The word behold, right? Which is discern something here. And what is yes. that? That the bridegroom is coming. Have you forgotten? that you are engaged not to a, a political party or, 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 or the fair-haired topic of the day, like you said. You're engaged hmm. to a king with another kingdom. Right? You're engaged Glory to God. the bridegroom, and he's coming. And that should jar you. The fact of the matter is, is that you are precariously close to his coming, and even the wise could miss it because they had to be awakened as well as the foolish, right? They were all slumbering and sleeping. The times put them to sleep, but it required a shattering voice and events. And this is the grace of God, because as we get into this in in the next couple of days, especially too, what we're going to see is that it's that the separation on a visible scale is about to take place and it's the message that drives a wedge between the five wise and the five foolish until then they're they're together existing up under the same spirit of the age and and the results are affecting them both alike but jesus if you remember at the beginning of this parable he drew our attention way back when in verse one and two when he said he saw from the beginning that there were five wise and five foolish and 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 so the separation began there, but it becomes publicly visible just when his imminent return is about to happen. A, a separation must take place, and it's this message, because the bridegroom coming is is an alert thing. It, it alerts you to prepare, uh, and, and, right. and and right, and and to do what you must do. In whatever way you need to do it, so that you're right there when he shows up. And but, it's yes, it. But, yes. Yes. And I was just gonna say that word "behold" also means be aware. It means perceive. What I'm about to tell you, perceive it. In other words, perceive it not just with with your eyes, also with your senses. Notice, discern. Yes. That's what the Lord is telling us when he's telling us, behold, it's, it's, he's telling wake up, perceive it, telling us that it could only, first of all, it has to be revealed to you by him and also telling us that many are, like like we're talking about right now, are not going to perceive it, you know? They're not yes. going to be able to discern the times because they're blinded. So, yes. I, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rich word, 
the word behold that you're, that, you know, we're, we're parked at right now to perceive, to discern, to be aware. That's what the Lord right. is telling us. Yes, and, and, and think yes. of such a thing, again, as we deal with the servant of the Lord who who brings the message. You know, one, he he pierces the night, you know, the darkness mm. that has overcome the church, and he's piercing the night, like you said. That first message is the behold message, right? Turning your Bibles to behold, right? I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I mean that's, what he's, that's what he's saying. He's saying, well, okay, I, he shows up on the scene and he says, you know what? You're all uh, you're all asleep. None of you are seeing. None of you are discerning. None of you are awake to what's actually happening all around you. It's the first thing that he does is he wakes them up and then he confronts all of them. And this ought to bring us who love the Lord and, and, and who know the Lord. Uh, if you'll admit it to yourself and, and take an honest reflection, there's been a season leading up to this. Some are in different places or whatever, but there was a season in there over the last couple of years where you're just like a drift, man. And you didn't even, you didn't have anything going on. And, and you really didn't discern the time. But God's servants, because now we're talking about the servant that comes at midnight, they yes. could sense something coming. And they began right. to prepare themselves accordingly. Think about this. What if the Lord had moved on this servant and he had no clue what to say? He had no message. He had no understanding. What this teaches us about this preacher who shows up at the midnight hour is he's been shut away with God. And he knows, and he walks so close to the bridegroom that he hears the voice of the bridegroom saying, it's time for me. Go tell them I'm coming. That, that there's, there's so much there if we'll dig into it. Because you know as well as I do, and those of you listening, you know that you get what you get from God, not by, not by some you know download from heaven that requires no effort on your part. It's through diligent seeking. Noah was warned yes. through diligent seeking. Enoch was warned through diligent seeking, right? It's a repetitive, lengthy process to where God can see that you are a faithful and good servant, and he begins to reveal to you his instruction. When this servant shows up, it's a loud, piercing, shattering cry, and, and, and it's being revealed here again, a cry was made, that the message has not been flowing. It's different. It's a message that comes into existence and begins the moment it's being declared, which implies that it has not been being declared. And it, and the result of the messages that were being declared or not being declared has put the entirety, both the foolish and the wise, to sleep. But it's the grace of God, if you can see it, that he sends the servant at the midnight hour with very little time left before the bridegroom shows up in order to break the monotony and to awaken the sleeping bride and alert her. It's God's grace. And, 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 and this moment that we have right now, I sense and know, I know by the spirit of God, that's what he's saying to us. He's saying, look around, discern what's happening. Oh, that we had the word. If I had 10,000 dictionaries sitting in front of me right now, I don't think I could truly do justice to what I sense and what we sense in our spirits and in our hearts. 
is that the church of, of the modern era, the last day church that Jesus is revealing here, this foolish and wise church that has emerged in its completeness at the end of the age now, it, it has been through so much, and it has become a sophisticated uh, caster of doctrine and eschatology and, and sermons, and it has so much on the buffet table at its disposal that it picks and chooses what it wants. But all along the way, it has fallen into a deep slumber to the extent that it is not discerning or seeing the actual times that it's living in. And so it is, it is of the utmost difficulty in those kinds of situations for, for any person to wrap their head around what we're actually having revealed to us here, that the bridegroom is coming. It is not a statement. It is not a topic for discussion. It is not an mm -hmm. intriguing nugget of revelation. It's a <laughs> right. fact. <laughs> right. right, right. Yes. And yes. if you don't understand that fact, you're going to be lost. See, the wise it's, had it's all not of a, it. The, the coming of the Lord is not a subject matter in the scripture. You have to understand right. that. Because, yeah. because for, for, for too long... Right. Yeah, for too long, you know, the church is like, well, you know, there's there's those those guys that like eschatology and end times, that like the subject of the coming of the Lord. Ooh, it's not a subject. We're talking about him. He <laughs> is coming. <laughs> That's right. He is That's right. He, he, the one who's, who we're reading about, who spoke here, yeah. he is coming. We're not talking about a subject matter here. We're talking yeah. about what he said that he would do. He is coming, you know, and, and that is that is the message that that we were supposed to proclaim. Yes. For two thousand years, he's coming. Mm -hmm. He's coming. He's coming again, right? So the same the yes. same Jesus, right? He told the disciples, the angels told the disciples that you see, go go up to heaven. He's gonna come again. He's going to come again. So that was the message to to the disciples, to the apostles. To go and proclaim yes. that Jesus had died, rose, uh, uh, was buried, and rose from the dead. He went back to the Father, but He's coming again, and until then, He's given us His Holy Spirit, right? And, yes. and, and it's the Holy Spirit that 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 begins to to yearn within us to to be united with Him. That's what yes. we're talking about here. It's it's His yes. coming, you know. Yes, you know, um, even from the the how we initiated these podcasts. I mean, if you, if you have ears to hear, it's, 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 that's what we've been trying to do is to declare to you in every podcast in manifold ways that Jesus Christ is coming. Why? Because that is the message of the hour. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. That, that, yes. that's, the, that's what we've been trying to relate to you in these last three months, right? I think, yeah, three months already. Yeah, that Jesus is coming. That's that's what we're trying to echo in this hour. And and think of, think yeah. of the again, it's meant to impact the individual virgin, right? The church, the individual believer, is what Jesus is yeah. revealing here. Because what begins to emerge is is an awareness between the two of something. Those who and who took oil which we talked about at length in the earlier 
first part one and two, they they are the ones who exerted the the spiritual effort to acquire relationship with the Holy Spirit. The fact that you fall asleep, it, it, it does not make you lost. But when you, you better wake up when the cry goes out. And it's God who's shaking his church. But what's going to become incredibly apparent, as we're seeing it now, is that, that the ability to discern exactly why I am suddenly awake is the thing that separates. Because it is those that have known the presence of the Lord those that have walked with God, those that know the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you haven't had that in quite some time in your life, but you know how to get a hold of him. And 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 now there's something stirring in your spirit. Now, contrawise, the foolish, they never paid the price, or uh, and we use those words, but the, the truth of the matter is, is that they never took the time to develop their spiritual qualities. So at the key moment, at the moment when we're when we when we've reached those those very moments of of uh, of crisis, that what be what will become apparent is there are, there are those who do and those who don't, uh, and those that have and those who have not, and that's what we're about to see. But let's just hone in for the next few moments again. As, go ahead, say what you're going to say, and then we'll then we'll we'll focus a little bit more here. You know, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that at the end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, you know, there is a joint effort. Not effort, but there's just a joint chorus going out. The spirit and the bride. Right. Come. And then it says here, and let him that hear it. Whatever you hear, that's what you must declare. Say, come. Yeah. Let him that is a thirst. <laughs> come. You know, and, but that's that's beautiful. That at the end, that those are the words of, of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Surely I come quickly, and for therefore, you know, we see a chorus, a joining of the church, the true church, the remnant church, and the Spirit, declaring the very same thing in this hour: Come, yeah. Lord, come. I just wanted to bring yeah. that out. You were speaking. And, and think about the point, brother Marty. I want to make a point concerning the foolish virgins. Now, yes. when they when they wake up, obviously they wake up, and I see we I think we see the grace of God here with with them, um, yeah. and obviously when they wake up, they they find that they don't have the the enough oil or or a reserve of oil, uh, but and they deserted their their spiritual duties of of building themselves up in their most holy faith, right? But the fact that yeah. they're being awoken means that they still have a, a, I don't want to say time, but they have an opportunity. Otherwise, they wouldn't have woken up. Yes, right? they have an opportunity to 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 uh, you know do something about it, but it seems that they don't. Right, right. Uh, it seems to imply that at least that's what I'm gathering from it, because this is the grace of God that He allows them to wake up. Yeah, right? or or they do wake up. So. Uh, there's something interesting there. I think that uh, I, I think uh, that's a good. I think that. that's a that's a really good point to to look at, and something that we could say. Yeah, I mean, you can see that it does no violence to the scripture, but but let's 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 rotate this thing a little bit more and say, what if? And I think it is the case, uh, and and we have other scriptures that we're talking with, um, that that the cry itself is necessary. 
because there, as the scripture reveals to us, there is a true and a false church. And it is this, right. it is this cry where Christ is going to separate it. He knows mm-hmm. who his people are. And so once we reach the cry, as we go on into the in, into the next verses, probably tomorrow, because uh, <laughs> I, I still feel like we, we want to hone in a little bit more so that the people can begin to discern coming out of this madness that we're finding ourselves in this country, who the real preachers are and who they're not. We're not drawing attention right. to ourselves. God forbid, right? Because we, we don't know where you are, right? <laughs> so it's like right. wherever you go. If, if the time comes when the churches are open again and you start going back to those places that you that you haven't been able to go to, you're not going to be comfortable in there. You're not going to be comfortable, and you're going to need to know exactly who's preaching the gospel, man. And, and you're going to know in your spirit this isn't this isn't bearing witness with me. This is the same old stuff. But it, but 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 brother Fernand, what you said is a key as well because I would take it back a little bit further to uh, the fifth verse where they're nodding off. They haven't fully gone asleep yet. But the why Jesus emphasized while the bridegroom tarried, in other words, he didn't show up as quickly as they thought, but they didn't go immediately into sleep. They were nodding mm-hmm. off. The reason right. the wives were able to fall asleep was, well, if he does come, I, at least I got my, my oil here, right? The ones right. who were nodding off, even there they show the lack of of depth and quality of 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 uh, what's the right word the the anticipation of their Lord returning they gave themselves over to sleep rather than in the nodding the nodding off or the slumbering they could have at that moment go geez he's not coming I better go get oil just in case right but they didn't right, right. either way which, whichever verse you want to look at it the principle that you brought out is very much the same it was the grace of God. And is the grace of God. But in this case, I think what we're seeing as far as the grace of God goes, and, and, and only because what what the wise tell them, we can't give you of our oil. You have to go buy right. it now. Which implies that the oil that was available before was freely accessible. Now, what we know by that, and we're getting a little ahead of us here, but that's okay. We can go in that direction. And maybe we'll return to the servants tomorrow because there's some more powerful things we could look at. Because let's just go to the third part of the message, which is, okay, the first part was wake up, you're asleep, you're not discerning what's happening. Behold, uh, here's the message. I got to make sense to you of what it is you're not discerning. The bridegroom is coming. And then the third instructive message is go out, go ye out to meet him. So Jesus is revealing in-time conditions here. And this is, this is where the separation occurs. You see, because verse 7 says what, Brother Jeremy? Can you read, read that where, they, where they're commanded to go out? Read verse then, 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Right. So what that literally means is at that moment, after the three components have been declared, then they arise. They didn't arise at the behold. They didn't arise even at the bridegroom cometh. But when all three are now flowing, now they're, they arise, all of them, which seems to indicate a gradual awakening. Otherwise, you wouldn't say all, right? It seems like some gotcha. woke up before others. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. 
which is the way and it I, always. I guess, I guess, I guess there there has to be a rejection of it as well, ultimately, for the separation uh, yes. to take place of, of the five foolish, right? I think so. Yes, okay. I think that's a that's that's a good thing, right? So, so in Matthew seven, they all arose, which implies a gradual awakening somewhere along the line. There, they all are finally awake. Otherwise, he would just say they woke up. But the fact that all of them now awake, it, it could be implying that it's it's a, it, it maybe two or three wake up at first and another one wake up, you know. But by the time we right, get to right. this right, this declaration, go ye out. Now they're all fully awake. Why? You know, well, first of all, arose means to awake from their sleep, but also to collect their faculties. That's literally what it means. Right, right, right. right? And we were talking about this yesterday. We were talking about the, the, the narrative that we've been witnessing over the last five months in this nation concerning, you know, the, the, the coronavirus. And then, you know, now we've entered into the, the whole anarchy, <laughs> streets burning, all, that stuff, all this stuff going on at the same time, economy collapsing. And, and we've heard so many voices. It started out with one narrative, right? This horrible disease. And then it began to be broken apart into it ain't real. Oh, it is real. Well, no, it might be real. Well, it's not as bad as we think. And what's began to happen is that it has caused the undiscerning to be confused and to be at, at, a, at a position where most people don't even know what to believe anymore. And so mm -hmm. what we see here in the awaking and discerning component of the wise is they begin to collect their faculties. This is a work mm -hmm. of the spirit. He begins yeah. to uh, uh, allow them to take the pieces of the puzzle and it begins to suddenly begin to become clear to them. And notice that's why that's why the cry has to be so so clear cut in yeah. in, in its message that they you know yeah. it's, it's that they know exactly what they're hearing. You yeah. know, and I never really thought about that uh you know it's, it's like nap in the natural, right? You wake up, it takes you a while to kind of you know, get your mind, you know, sharp again, you know, you're collecting your faculties. And, and that's why people might hear what we're saying. And, you know, they're kind of waking up, you know, trying to shake the, 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 the cobweb, so to speak, you know, as they're waking up and, and, and to, to the realization, wait a minute, what's, what's really going on here? You know? So yeah, yeah that's, that's a powerful truth right there you brought out. And, and, and then, and then notice the progression, what dawns on them individually once they're able to collect their faculties or at least be awake is Jesus then turns our attentions to how they react. They turn mm. their attention toward the lamp, right? Which is the word of right, God. Right. Amen. And suddenly they all begin to cut away the wick, right? Because they realize uh, I've got to prepare this. Now I've got to look at this now. And when I look at it, I realize that, that it's got, you know, what, like when you burn a candle, right? The the wick, it gets that long ash on it, right? And you got to trim it so that when you relight it, it's just a perfectly clean wick that'll light. So the message and the collecting of the faculties, then the Jesus says, then they begin to turn their attention to the lamp. And that's what's happening. And yeah. that's what we're seeing. Good. But as they turn their attention to the lamp, now the separation begins. Because what the foolish what the foolish declare to the wise is our lamps have gone out. Right? In verse 
9. Powerful. It's, I mean, in verse 8, they say, our lamps have gone out. It suddenly dawns on them. Uh, I don't have any light. I don't have any right. oil to make sense of my Bible, man. I go to the Bible, and, and I know something's going on, but I I never invested uh, the <laughs> I don't every, even know where everyone's, <laughs> everyone's eschatology is being questioned now. Right? Yes, exactly. Incredible. And it's going to require the oil to trim the lamp the right way. See, you can trim your lamp and have it prepared for lighting, but if you have no Holy Spirit, man, you ain't going to understand it. I mean, right. <laughs> the wise did, the wise and the foolish didn't. And 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 so by bringing their, our attention to the lamps, Jesus is telling us that, that that's what's going to happen. And, and and as you begin to cut away the wick, it's almost as if, like you just said, Brother Veneno, everybody's going to have to reassess what they thought they knew about the last days and the coming of the Lord. And that's what the trimming of the lamp is. And it's in that trimming away that the foolish finally dawns on them. We have no light, man. <laughs> we can't understand this. But check this out, because now we're getting a little deeper and, and and once they awake and they're drawn to the word at this time, it's it's that the separation suddenly begins. And in many ways, yeah. when when they ask the wise to give them their oil, to me it kind of hints at, at those who, for various reasons, but pri- but for but primarily for spiritual laziness, uh, they seem to have become accustomed to help from the wise. They assume that the wise are going to help them. They're used to having other people carry along their spirituality. Ah, my goodness. How deep can we go here, right? Because. (laughs) And this is not just that, Brother Marty. Uh, Yeah, not just that. The wise have figured something out concerning the end times. Like, Ah, we're about to go through some stuff as the church. Yes. And we've been telling you about this, we've been preparing for it. We're preparing our families. Like, look, they're coming after us. There's tribulation and persecution coming. So when the when the foolish acts for interpretation or revelation or oil of of what they see, they're gonna tell them, "You ain't ready for this. You're not ready for this because it's gonna cost you something." Yes. You know, it, yeah, it's because, going to cost you something. Yeah, you know, that's right. And, and in the right. In the spirit of what we're talking about, it, it also triggers something in verse six when he says, "At midnight," tells us the moment or or, or the place within the day where it's going to take place. Where there was a cry made, right? Behold, right. the bridegroom cometh, and then and then he tells him this: "Go ye out to meet him." Which I see it as a responsibility that comes upon that which to go out to meet him. You know, we, we're so used to hearing Jesus is coming. He's just going to come and take us away. We don't know when. No, 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 no. Right. Here is telling us there's a responsibility for you to go out to meet him. Now, when they are awakened, they all arose, right? Why did they first trim their lamps? Because they knew they were about to go through dark places to meet, to get there. There was a dark, it was a dark hour where they were going to need their lamps. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, uh, that, that's what's coming to my mind. So that's what triggered it because they knew they were going through a dark place. They needed the lamp. It wasn't at daytime. It was at midnight. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm laughing because I was thinking for all those cessationists out there, that fancy word that they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. You're going to be in trouble. You ain't going to be able to light your lamp, man. <laughs> man. Yeah, this is good man. stuff, man. Because that, that's what happens, right? We begin to see that in, in some ways in verse 8 where they turn and they say to the wise, give us your oil. Give us of your oil because our lamps have gone out. Going out, they've gone out. There's no, there's nothing, there's no substance there to, to, to reignite it. I've lived such a compromised life, in other words, because <laughs> this is what begins mm. to happen. This is what begins to happen. There's an obvious separation. The Holy Spirit is given to those who consecrate their lives before God. The Bible says so in Jude. When he addresses the saints of God, he calls them consecrated by God, preserved in Jesus Christ, called, which is the Spirit. All three things must be present in the believer's life in order for that oil to be in the vessel. So when you have a situation now, which is what Jesus is exposing here, that these foolish realize they have no oil, in the way the master talks, what he's revealing is this group of people is now being exposed. They were with you, but they really weren't right. of you. They were with you, but they really yeah. aren't like you. <laughs> right? mm. they're, really, they're really not like you, man. And they've been, they've been hanging with you. And, and that's why they say, give us of your oil. They're used to riding on the back of others. But what God is trying to, <laughs> what the Lord is trying to reveal to us is this time that he's talking about, you better cut away from these people. And that is what we see in verse 9, because it's almost as if the wise, they suddenly have this discernment level come over them. We see their discernment. They right. seem to they seem to sense something about the foolish because they part with them right there. They mm -hmm. send them away. They're they, sending they, them away. They've bought into the Antichrist system. Um, yeah. They represent a Judas-like church who's given into the spirit of of the A, the spirit of the Antichrist. Uh, and I don't want to get too far ahead, but it's it's what it's what's coming. It's it's the mark of the beast, right? The, the That's six, exactly six, right. Because it, it speaks about go buy. You you're, yeah. you bought into that. Go and buy whatever you can. You're not going to be able to. to you, you, a separation has taken place. Yeah. Right. It's like you're fully bought into that system. So use what that system has promised you. Go try and to use go. money to go buy, and they go right. And they go, which is what Jesus is saying in a veiled way, right? Is like, look, right. these aren't really your brothers. You know, not everybody that sets off to meet the bridegroom is truly saved. And the fact yeah. that by the time we get down to this moment where my return is imminent, it is there that the discernment of the wise suddenly comes to the forefront. Because it almost right. seems cruel, right? It yeah. seems cruel. Because I was thinking about this, and I said, okay, wait a minute. What do we see here? You got five that are wise. If the collective light of all five should be sufficient to light the path for all ten. 
whether you share your oil or not, wouldn't you kind of hang out behind number five? <laughs> you know, at least you can see. <laughs> <laughs> right but they're not even they're, they have some kind of discernment here and they know something and so but they're also wise right they didn't say ah get the heck out of here they didn't talk to them like that they're 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 showing wisdom and at the same like jesus said you understand something you're going to be amongst uh wolves in sheep's clothing so you need to be what? Wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. And so rather than causing some kind of a conflict here, they they subtly tell them, why don't you just go and <laughs> go buy from those guys over there? And and while they turn to go, they're gone. The wise go, right? They're on their journey, man. And 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 we're gonna dig into that more wow. tomorrow. But like like you said, brother, brother. This is what Jesus is saying. He's exposing the the wise and the foolish because he wants the wise to understand. Not everybody who says your brother is your brother. And in the end time, you need to have that kind of discernment. And you need to better hang on to what you have. Because, Brother Jeremy, would you turn over to, I think it's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter yes. 6. Read to us, read to us verse 14. And, and we'll close with it right here. And we'll pick it up more tomorrow. And tomorrow I want to okay. look more deep. I want to look deeper at the two types of preachers that Jesus reveals in this story are going to exist at the end times, and we'll take it up from here and see what, exactly what happens to the foolish and why we know that while this parable can be preached in many different ways, if you take it the way the Lord is really revealing it, then you're going to see that He's specifically talking about the last three and a half years uh, of the Great Tribulation. And the rescue of his church that's coming soon before the wrath is poured out. But when the wise separate from the foolish, it is with great discernment that they send them away. And, and, and because light cannot fellowship with darkness. Will you read that to us in, in, in 2 Corinthians 6.14? Yes. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath the righteousness? hath righteousness with unrighteousness. And what communion hath light with darkness? Yes, what communion has light with darkness? Here's the issue right now, saints of God. You better assess who you're hanging with. Because right now, I tell you what, we've seen preachers even in this hour, even that have come out and, and, and bowed the knee before this this anarchy we see flowing. These very people who say we should tear up our stained glass windows and tear down our Jesus, you know, uh, reflections of Jesus, people carrying yes, signs, right? right? And, and these preachers have come out and, and said, oh, we, we're standing with you, Black Lives Matter people. And what are you doing, man? I, I, I'm not going to enter into no political discourse with Black Lives Matter, everybody, li I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Hispanic, you know, I'm Mexican, Mexican lives matter, man. I mean, everybody's life matters. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, geez, yeah, right. you know? yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I get it. I understand what you're saying, but why aren't you marching with my brothers that are, that are working for three bucks an hour, reaping your, your tomatoes and your, and your, and your lettuce and your, you know, in the fields for, for, for a hundred years, putting food on your table. My Hispanic brothers aren't out there, uh, you know, 
uh, killing you and burning down your churches, but I don't hear right. you taking up their cause. Or, or, or we can go down the list. You you want to act that way? But we see the preachers out there, right, joining with them. We see them out there. Oh, we're we're all woke, right? We're all awake. We all we're all with like Brother Fernando was saying earlier. No man, mm-hmm. you need to decide what fellowship has light with darkness, because as the Lord was revealing here, the separation is is here. The separation has come, and and we're not talking about some sectarian myopic cult-like thing here man we're talking about a true relationship with the lord and god is is going to assemble a a beautiful fellowship amongst those he calls the wise yeah maybe you had a time of sleeping and maybe you had a time where you really didn't know what's going on but now you know he's waking you up and you're very familiar with that voice and now he's going to say be wise as a serpent harmless as a dove because light has no fellowship with darkness. He's coming soon, and tomorrow we'll yes. continue in this in this study, and and we pray that uh, that that you've been stirred a little at least, <laughs> and we love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Go ahead, brother. Amen. You know well, we uh, pray that Jesus Jesus is on trial right now. Yes, he is, brother. Uh, the the people the people chose an anarchist in Barabbas. A man of, law, of lawlessness. Wow. Freed instead yes. of Jesus. At the end, mm-hmm. remember this, and it's heavy. I feel his presence and pray for us, brothers and sisters, because when we speak like this, it's not easy. Yes. Just pray for us. And <clears throat> at the end of everything, the religious leadership of Israel, when Jesus was put on trial, they uttered these words. And, and you spoke about preachers bowing their knees to the political agendas and, and, and the movements of the day. They said, we have no king but Caesar. My Lord. That's where we are headed. That's the divide. That's the separation. We yeah. have no king but Caesar. We must pray, brothers and sisters, because we've been sensing in our hearts and in our discussion discussions before the podcast and you know as brothers as we speak we sense something is coming we sense something is coming but something greater is coming that is our lord jesus christ he is coming soon go ye out and meet him go ye out and meet him amen glory to god amen powerful fernando you know when you said barabbas who was he he was an insider of revolution, wasn't he? Yes, <laughs> yes he was. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, that's for you to try to think what, what what we're saying here. Think about what's going on today, right? A Barabbas uh, generation. Inciting, right? <laughs> Anyways, yes. I do sense his presence. God is speaking. I, I don't know how much clearer can he speak, but he is. And um, God has awakened us. I, I like. I never heard that, Brother Marty, when, what you said about, and then they all woke. But it doesn't mean that they all woke at the same um, time, right? At different times, right? Yeah. And, and that's yeah. powerful because there's an awakening, you know, some here, some here, there. But we are awakening because we are hearing 
the cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Who are you going to be? Are you going to be ready with your oil or you're not? We pray that you've been blessed today. And I'm looking forward to with tomorrow's uh, teaching. And we pray that, as Brother Fernando says, Brother Marty, please pray for us. Pray that God will continue to give us the grace and the boldness uh, and for us to have continue to have ears to hear what God is saying in this hour and also to give you the ears to, to hear what God is saying. May God bless you and may God keep you and keep looking up.